Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. It's a rather Dismal welcome, I suppose, if you're an England fan, because a gloomy evening rather reflected the feelings uh, as an England supporter and probably as an England player as well after that Friday, the third day of the Lord's Test, which was, if, if the ashes hasn't been wrenched from England's grasp, it certainly slipped away very slightly there and Australia really got on top. So, Simon, what are the essential numbers from the third day's play? Well, this podcast in association with IG Trading and Investments, and I think you'd probably sell England tonight. 130 for two Australia, 221 runs ahead. I reckon, yours that was about as bad a day in the time allowed that England could have possibly had. The last six wickets going for 47, and then Australia sort of battening down the hatches, 130 for two. So if you imagined a day for England today, you know, imagine a bad day for England, that was pretty much it, really. Australia wiping away the last six, and then just building remorselessly on that first innings lead of 91. Not easy, not easy to see a way back for England from here. You know, you, f- you feel they're going to be facing... Oh, 450, something like that, possibly even more. Anyway, we'll talk about that in just a moment. What did you make of the day? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I, I have a sort of um, a, a vested interest in today in a way. Well, we all do, but a particular vested interest in today because I actually paid for my kids to come and watch today. Uh, we don't get free tickets in the media. People seem to think sometimes, and I get a lot of texts, as I'm sure you do, can you get me tickets to the Lord's Test, etc. Mm, no, definitely. we can't, unless we pay. And I did pay today, uh, top dollar. How, how much did you pay? £170 how much did you pay? Per, per head. So 340 quid for the, the prime seats from the MCC. And, uh, you know, it, it, I just thought, I, I just gave it to my kids, to be honest, as a sort of a present, really, because, you know, they've just finished university and 
Uh, I'm obviously proud of them, like all dads are. And I just thought it'd be a nice day out for the for the for the family, you know, if you like. One son is is busy doing something, so I bought tickets for the other two. And I really wanted them to see the best of England today. You know, they were excited. They came to the game. They're in their twenties, so they they get the game. They understand the game and. I was really looking forward to, or they were really looking forward to Stokes. And they said, well, you know, perfect uh, s- s- set up. You know, we get there early, we see them warm up, and then we've got Stokes and um, Brooke and Bairstow. What could be better than those three batting against the Australians all morning and, you know, battering them and stuff? And within about, well, not within half an hour, but within within one over, Stokes was out. And then obviously we, we saw the, the back of Brooke and, and Bairstow soon after. So, it was just a very dispiriting day and uh, an unnecessarily wanton day uh, from England's batsmen. Uh, obviously, you can't blame the last two or three, but I just thought the general attitude throughout the innings, actually, was one of gung-hoism. And, I mean, I used the word kamikaze yesterday about some of the batting. Well, I'm going to use the phrase casball today because it's sort of it's an abbreviation of kamikaze batting. What did you think? Mm. Or, well, or, or casual ball as well. I thought you, I thought it stood for for casual ball. I mean, there was an element of that about England. Uh, yeah, there was in the, on the first day. There was yesterday evening. You know, when those short balls were disappearing down fielders' necks at, at, at fine leg. I thought today was a bit different. I th- I thought Australia were right at England, and uh, and actually, in a way, that's the beauty of sport. You're, you're you know you you turned up today. You, you bought tickets for your kids. You can never guarantee anything in sport, can you? I think that that's what beguiles us, really. That's what draws us in. If we knew what was going to happen, if it was a play or, or a comedy show or whatever, you know, you, you know what you're getting, then it, it, it's, it's just very different with sport. And you, you can have days like today that, that leave supporters disappointed. I, you know, I spoke to a few afterwards and you know, they were saying, well, you know, they, they weren't angry today with England. They were just very, very disappointed with how the, the day went. But I, I think give credit to Australia because they had this situation where they were without Nathan Lyon. And I thought, right, these are our tactics. You know, last night, bang it in. But I thought today they were really right at England. It was a good ball from start that got Stokes out early. It just bounced a bit. Leading edge, brilliant catch from Cameron Green again. Yeah, he's just a, a remarkable uh, close catcher, and and start he, it, it got start going, and he he took on Harry Brook, and I know Brook played a, you know, if you just see it in isolation, it was a poor shot from from Harry Brook, but you had to see what was happening in the build up uh, to that stroke, and as I'm sure you appreciate. No, totally, and uh, you know, I think that's a, a very good sort of focal point for what the day and even the match and perhaps even the series was about. Because the extraordinary thing, you know, Harry Brook, he gets to 50, a 50 in an Ashes Test match at Lords. He's out, caught at wide mid-off, and he walks off to virtually dead silence. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's interesting, actually, because the, the clip we're going to hear a bit later in this podcast is of another man who experienced walking off the field at Lords to dead silence, Ian Botham, in 1981. So we're going to come to that. But I thought that, 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 you know, in a way, you can't pull the wool over English cricket fans. They get the game, especially probably at Lords, actually, where, you know, people are really invested in the skills and the art and the psychology of the game, or many people are. And, you know, they understood the situation that it, it, it was, uh, you know, a, a, a young promising English players succumbing to superb Australian 
hostility and also a bit of mental challenge as well. But the physical part of it is, is I suppose, the key to it. And, you know, it, it really kind of, uh, it made me think back, actually, to going to play club cricket in Australia and how severe they are when you come out and you think you're going to have a bit of a frolic in the middle in a club match in, in Australia. And it's not like that. It's very severe. They stare you in the eye and they say, do you really want to be out here? And, you know, there's a bit of sledging and stuff like that. But it's it, the ball hits the bat hard, you know, and there's a bit of follow up from the from the bowler. And, it, 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 you know, the way they bowled at Harry Brook really examined his courage, his desire, his his actual, you know, sort of mental strength. Do you want to be in this contest? We're coming for you. You know, you, it could hurt. There, there, there's no shying away from it here, mate. This You're under the spotlight. How are you going to cope with it? And that's what, you know, that's what an Ashes test match and you know, playing this Australian attack is like. And they found him out. I mean, I watched him very carefully the, the day before to see how he played the short ball. I knew he would get a bit of roughed up treatment and, and they'd try and rough him up. And I, I watched carefully to see how he handled it. And actually, initially, he looked all right. But then as they kept coming at him and he was trying to hook and he was trying to weave and he was trying to back away and slap him over mid-off, you know, they just kept coming. And in the end, they found him out. Yeah, we should just put some detail on it, on it really. Obviously, he was dropped last night by Labashain pulling at, at square leg. Today, they bowled short at him. He was hit on the glove. There were a couple that reared and went past the outside edge. He was hit in the helmet as well. Uh, you know, that was a, a, a nasty one. So that would have you know, rattled the cage a bit. And then we had the situation where you thought, he, he, I think you thought, right, what am I going to do here? I'm, I'm perhaps trying to play properly. I'm not trying to take it on the whole time. I've, I've rowed a few. I've let a few go. I've taken one or two on. But then he thought, right, I'm going to have to take on. I'm going to have to take on Stark, and I'm going to, have to do something about it. And he backed away once and tried to slap him through the offside because they they closed off the the sort of the slap through the mid on area as well by putting a deepish mid on. So it was a really good field uh, for Brook. You know, really challenging for him. So there was something perhaps available th for him through the offside. But Cummins was lurking, so he tried it once, missed. Tried it again. Hit it straight up in the air, and it looked such a it looked a terrible dismissal in isolation, and in a way it is, of course it is, because uh, it it's, it's not a nice way to get out. But you you've got to see the context, I think, in in the build up to that dismissal. And, you, and you're right, there was that real right at you sort of approach from an Australian, and credit to them because they they must have realised, wasn't they, that you know without Nathan Lanyon hobbled to the ground today, he was on crutches. He's you know he's probably well at this Test match in terms of you know being able to bowl or whatever. Uh, he might bat if necessary. He's probably out of the next game and probably out of the series as well. So they and they they said, right, come on, we we need to galvanise ourselves, and that's what they did. I think last night and today, and I thought I thought they were superb today. Just brushed England aside. Yeah, today. absolutely. And you know the the reaction of the crowd to to that Harry Brook dismissal was one of a sigh of of disappointment because they've seen his skill and his talent on show during the winter you know, with some dynamic batting in Pakistan and in New Zealand, absolutely brilliant. And they can see his potential. But today, that potential was just blown apart. It was exploded. And, you know, they were, everyone was a bit sad to see the way he went off. And it was, it was a bit sort of humbling, actually, to see that. 
But uh, listen, let's not uh, despair because, as I said earlier, another man, a famous man of English cricket, Ian Botham, he walked off to the, the disappointment of a pair at Lords and total silence in the pavilion. Uh, but he came back extremely strongly. And here he just reflects on that moment in 1981. I only got one pair in my life and that was it. I went out to try and smash a few quick runs because it was a dead game and I thought we'd give ourselves a bit of a chance if we safely on a uh, draw, let's see if we can just knock over some of their batsmen, just, you know, a confidence thing. So that was my thinking. We got in and I had that, uh, <laughs> the members almost, uh, you know, did the next intern in the other way. And it was quite, I thought, well, screw you lot. Um, and that was how I felt at the time. Went up to the dressing room, end of the game came. And what people don't realise is that Alec Bedster had decided in his infinite wisdom that he was going to give me no more than one test at a time. There's no continuity for me, no continuity for the players, the wives, the families. It was, it was intolerable, to be honest. It was, it was terrible. I came off the field, up to the dressing room, and I called the chairman over and I made my mind up uh, probably halfway through that last session. I went out the back at Lord's, you know, the showers, et cetera, that area, and I just said, look, this isn't working for me. It's not working for the team. And it's not working, to be honest with you, for anybody, this ridiculous situation you put me in one game at a time. We just come back from the West Indies and I lost 1 0 and 2 0 in 10 matches, not 5 0, 5 0, 5 0. I said to him, I'm resigning. He said, OK, fine. And then I went into the dressing room, told all the boys, got them around and said, This is what I've done. I always remember Gucci wrote me a letter, handwritten letter, thanking me and what have you, et cetera, and wishing me well. And uh, they thought it was a terrible situation to be in. As I was telling the team up on the television in the corner, there came the chairman. And uh, in, being interviewed, and they said, oh, we understand that the captain's resigned. He said, yes, he has, but I was going to sack him anyway. <laughs> That's what I was dealing with. They said to me, who do you should, should captain? I said, Mike, really? And true enough, they've got Breers in, and the rest, as they say, is history. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ian Botham talking before the break. And for those of you who don't remember that back in 1981, I'm sure there will be people who, you know, been told about it, but you know, didn't watch it at the time. He was England captain. That test match ended in a draw, in, in fact, at Lords, but he was out for a pair, total silence walking back. And then that evening and then beyond, Mike, you know, he, he relinquished the captaincy or was sacked, which, you know, whichever, whoever you believe. Mike Brady came in, next test match, Headingley 1981, and it all trans, you know, turned around and it was Botham's ashes. It, it, you know, an incredible, 
incredible turnaround. And I, you know, Harry Brook is such a talented young player that you know, he, of course, he'll he'll come again. I mean, for goodness' sake, he made fifty as, as well. It seems strange to be talking about his that that sort of dismissal when he made fifty a half century in an Ashes uh, a Test match at Lords. You know, his, his third Ashes innings. There's plenty ahead uh, for him, but Australia hold the whip out. I thought England were a bit tame after that as well. Best they just clipped one to mid on. It was that was an odd dismissal as well. And then yeah, well, it was. And then you know, Broad and Robinson succumbed pretty tamely as well. And and Josh Tung was banked out, caught caught a short leg. It, you know, it was Australia just sort of just just wrapping things up, just pu- uh, you know pulling the tablecloth off the table and telling everyone to go home, isn't it? You know, it's all eleven o'clock at night. Really, it was it was that sort of ruthlessness. By the way, you're quite right that you know some people won't know the stories of 1981 because uh, this history festival uh, thing I did the other mm. day with Mike really and, and Gideon Hay, uh, which I there is a podcast on this uh, feed actually uh, of our chat uh, about the ashes, which you can find. But one of the questions I asked right at the start of the uh, of the talk at this history festival was uh, for those younger members of the audience here, and there were quite a few school kids. When did the ashes begin? Anybody know when did the ashes start? And one kid put up his hand and he said, 1982. I said, well, you got the 82 bit right, but you're 100 years, uh, 100 years too late. Um, anyway, so you know, th- there, <laughs> well, are there are people, are. of course, who don't know the, the great stories of 1981. And you can get those actually on the Legends of the Ashes podcast series, which I recorded with Stephen Fry that, that you can find as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean... Just going back to England's dismissals generally, I chatted to, today to Geoffrey Boycott, actually, and he was uh, captured, I think, on camera uh, when Harry Brook got out, making a, a predictably rather dismayed expression. And, and actually, when he'd got over his sort of fury of, of England relinquishing their wickets as they did, I, I chatted to him a bit, and you know, he said quite sort of pragmatically that you take on the short ball consistently with men on the hook and on the short leg positions and, and all that. It's difficult, but if you take it on and try and attack it against this quality of bowling, if you can't guarantee you're going to get 40 runs against it, it's not a percentage option. You've got to be more prudent. And I think he's right there. You know, if, if, you, feel, if you feel confident that you can keep whacking them into the stands and, and, and score between 30 and 40 runs off that shot, then probably it's worth the risk, but otherwise not. And so England, you know, we all love basketball, but it needs some finessing. Mm. And and famously, of course, Jeffrey was caught at fine leg in the last over of a, of a, of a <laughs> test match, wasn't he? La- the last over of the day, caught hooking, and he, you know, his, yeah, his deep square, yeah, leg, his yeah. mind was scrambled, wasn't it? And he says that, you know, and he was jostled as he came off the, the field as well. It's one of sort of one of the low points uh, in his career. And you talk about taking it on, you know, you, can you make it a success? Of course, that that's what Johnny Bairstow did, and to some extent Ben Stokes at Trent Bridge last year against New Zealand. Not there's quite the same pace of bowling, and also with short that short boundary as well at, at Trent Bridge and that new stand side of the ground. Boundaries here, I mean, they're not immense, but they're you know a bit bigger, and the the bowling is is quicker as well. We we've covered it a lot, haven't we, over the last well yesterday and, and today that the England's approach against the short pitch bowling bowled out for 325, a lead of 91 for Australia. We perhaps should move on to Australia's batting. What could England come up with with the ball? And the amazing thing about this Test match, Yoz, Australia in almost complete control after uh, three days and big favourites to go on and well dominate the game, certainly, and and probably go on and win it, although you never know with this England side and who who knows what's around the corner. So it's not worth perhaps 
pushing too far ahead into the future. Uh, but the amazing thing about this test match is that England have had, if, if they could have summed up the conditions that they wanted for the first three days, they've been almost perfect, haven't they? O- overcast on the first day, lights on, green pitch, bit of, you know, a bit of dampness in the pitch, perfect. Today, when they went out to, to bowl, overcast again, the lights were on again. And when they batted yesterday, it was a nice bright day and the sun was out. So it's amazing, isn't it? They've had the conditions totally in their favour. And yet, they're, I think, what was it you said at one point in this test match? England, I think after the first day, England were 3-0 down. It feels as if they're about 4-0 down after three days. It does. Uh, I, 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 st- I haven't given up total hope. I, I do feel that our attack, you know, does look, England's attack does look a little bit threadbare compared to Australia's. And, you know, the, the telling signs are when you've got a keeper stood up to the stumps, your opening bowler, Jimmy Anderson, uh, who, you know, valiantly kept going and eventually did get the wicket of Marlis Labashane. <laughs> he didn't want to go, did he? He never wants to go, but he had to go then because he cut it straight to point. Uh, but, you know, generally England just didn't ha- look, look, look as if they had much of a cutting edge with the ball. Stuart Broad actually bowled well before lunch and beat the bat. He got the crowd up and... He beat the bat, beat Warner a few times, but England never really looked that threatening, except occasionally Josh Tung. And I mean, to be fair, Ollie Robinson bowled a reasonable spell in the evening, but again, he didn't actually take a wicket. And England just, they, they look tidy, but they're just not looking threatening with the ball. And that is also a worry. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Australia didn't get away. 45.4 overs, 130. And and also what something else that summed up England's day as well was that Broad had Labuschagne out LBW. He appealed, umpire gave it not out, and because they don't totally trust Stuart Broad with the reviews, they didn't let him review it. And it but it, it, it hit him in line with off stump and went on to hit leg stump. But the, they didn't get. I mean, the the, the mitigating factor there was that Labuschagne was out not too long afterwards. Okay, he was on sixteen. He made thirty. A few boundaries and moved his score on a bit, but it wasn't that long afterwards uh, that he was out. So that you know there was that sort of incident really that sort of summed up uh, England's day. But there was Usman Kawaja again, who's now faced or played more dot balls in this series, Yoz, than all of England's top six. Uh, put together, which actually probably is not a great surprise, is it, the way England have played in this series? But it it, it just shows the, the two different approaches of the of, you know of the teams so far in this series, and it also shows how solid Kawaja has been, you know, player of the match in the last game, and also he's 17 in the first innings. It doesn't look very much, but when you in the final analysis, absolutely vital innings because it sort of shut the door on England in that first innings, didn't it? That you think four wickets before lunch, possibly even five in these conditions. And, you know, they, they couldn't get him out until just before lunch, 70 balls then. And he's, he's resisted them again. He's, he's 45 not out. And, they, you know, they've got to get him out. They've got to get Smith out. It's, it's got to be something like, you feel for England to win the game. It's got to be something like... Eight, eight for 120 from here. I mean, they, they, you know, they could chase 340, 350, given a fair wind uh, and, and a, a, a bit more, a bit cuter batting in the second innings. But it, it's got to be something like that. When it gets up to 400, 420, 450, if it does, then you, you feel that's going to be a big problem against this attack, who are presumably just, well, they'll go again with the short ball. They'll, they'll try and bounce England out. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I totally agree with you. And Kawadra's value is. You know, additional value is the fact that he just he bats a long time, doesn't he? And he he not only absorbs the the bowler's sting, the England bowler's sting, but he gives his own bowlers 
respite. They can rest up and get ready for the for the fourth innings. And whereas England's bowlers, again, they've been out in the field. Uh, England own, England's innings only lasted 76 overs. So they're back out in the field before a day's play has elapsed, effectively. And it's just tough, especially if you're 40 years old. Yeah. Now, the last thing you want to be doing is bowling again within a day's play. So that's another kind of flaw in England's plan at the moment. They've got to bat time to give their bowlers time to, to get ready for, for, the, for the second innings. And Kawadra just, just plods along at his own pace. He's actually not a bad player to watch. Jimmy Anderson did drop him at, at mid-wicket. Mm. A, a chance he probably would have taken most of his career. It was hit fairly hard, but straight at him. And the dismay on his face said quite a lot, I thought, there. I think we are getting to the stage where could this be the last time that Broad and Anderson play a test match together? I mm. think there's a, a strong possibility of that because you know, looking ahead three days to the next test after this one, um, surely Anderson can't play that. And then what happens after that? You know, So interesting. But in the meantime, Australia uh, have been you know, highly impressive today. It started superbly with that brilliant catch by Cameron Green off Stark to get rid of Stokes. It finished with Smith at the wicket with all his weird mannerisms, but still compelling watching. And, uh, you know, Australia very much in the driving seat. And uh, to add four more misery to this conversation, <laughs> um, I went into the IG Net Gains Arena today, the, the simulator that does all those different great Ashes deliveries with my kids to give them a bit of entertainment, but also show who was boss. And they beat me, both of them. Mm. Uh, they both scored uh, over 11. I think Billy got 11, Nancy got 10 <laughs> off those six excellent Ashes deliveries at full high standard, top standard. And they made me look totally useless. I only got about three. So um, it's a thoroughly humiliating day for England and particularly for me. Don't let the sun go down on me. It was that. It was that sort of day, wasn't it? Really, today, a, you know, gloomy end to the day, gloomy day for England, and and, and just on that that point you made about you know, bowlers being in the field for a certain length of time. Someone on Twitter made the point today, and I think it's a good one that England have not batted. Uh, sorry, in, yeah, England have not kept the Australian uh, bowlers out there for more than eighty overs, but in, so far in any of the innings, but Australia have kept England's bowlers out there for more than 80 overs in all the innings that they uh, batted for. And they'll, they'll probably do it again uh, sometime tomorrow. So, yeah, it just it just saps you, doesn't it? You th and you think about la last night, England had the chance just to, to draw the sting from the Australian attack, keep them out in the field, wear them down, no spin. Although Head did a, a you know, reasonable job. He, he, he nicked in with a couple, didn't he? Well, burglar he is to pick up a couple of wickets uh, this morning, a bit like Root uh, on, on the first day. But, you know, they had to turn to Head, and that's not, you know, that is not a great threatened in theory uh, from Australia and that's what England could have done but they they squandered the opportunity but who are we to say uh, well, who are we to say yeah, Sunday I mean, Sunday exactly. night you know, Sunday night when you know England are 442 for three with an <laughs> over I'll, I'll rejoice I'll, I'll rejoice and all our pro prognostications yeah. and predictions would be completely uh, useless and hopeless but I, I suppose uh, it, it must be it must have been tempting today for an Australian uh, out on the field to say to Ollie Robinson when he danced down to Travis Head for the third time in a row mm. and sliced it to the keeper, it must have been tempting for the keeper to have said to him how Ian Healy used to treat young imposters. He used to say when they got out against the Warren McGrath kind of era, 
He used to say, back to the nets, idiot. Alex Carey is a much more polite man and wouldn't have said anything to Ollie Robinson, but I thought, I'm sure he thought it. Well, maybe all the England players need to go back to the nets. And it's a, a timely moment just to mention that the IG sponsors are using all the money from all that to simulate a performances. They're putting money in to build new nets around the country. So it's the IG Net Gains Fund. Check it out at ig.com slash investing. And we'll be back tomorrow to report on the fourth day's play, which we hope, from an England point of view, is a lot better than the third. Well, we hope, yeah, we hope for a competitive uh, day's play. Just on the Australians, finally, final thought from them. We talk about them you know, being a bit more polite. I'm sure Alex Carey you know, is, a, is far more polite than keepers of the past, Ian Healy, uh, the late Rod Marsh. I'm sure Australia would say about England's uh, batting over the last uh, day and a bit, they'd say, thank you very much for that. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.